I didn't see a lot of waving. Hey, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> Happy Sunday. All right. Well, uh, like I said, good morning. Glad to see everybody here. Calvary Chapel Mountain View. Uh, before I forget, if you happen to be a child, um, please uh, meet my wife right here on the side door. I'm going to head over to Children's Ministry where they're going to have a lot of fun today and learn about God and how good he is. Well, we are taking a break from Revelation. Uh, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 2 today. And I'm really excited to bring this up to you guys because Daniel is such an amazing book of the Bible. And if you've never read it before, Daniel has this wonderful mix of historical accounts and also um, of prophecy. And I've been going through uh, Daniel with the youth and uh, I'm hoping <laughs> that they're taking something away from it, but it's such a blessing to go through this book. And um, before we really dive into this, let's pray and uh, seek the Lord uh, before we dive right in. So Lord, we just thank you for who you are, Lord, that you are the Lord of our life. You are our Savior. And Lord, you are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord, that we have looked at uh, in so many different places in our lives and tried to find the truth and tried to find a life of satisfaction and tried to find many ways, but it is in you that we find true satisfaction. And Lord, as we read uh, the book of Daniel, praying, Lord, that you speak to all of us, Lord, that we, you have something to say to each and every one of us that are listening here uh, presently, but also on uh, our live stream as well, Lord, that you have something to say to everyone. So, Lord, we just thank you for today and just pray uh, over today. In your name, amen. All right, well, like I said, we're in Daniel chapter 2, and I am very excited. Uh, I love Daniel. It's such a great book. Um, so, Daniel chapter 2, um, before we dive right into that, we're going to do a little bit of a recap because there was a Daniel chapter 1, so we're going to talk about a little bit what's going on before we dive right into Daniel chapter 2. So, Daniel and his friends were part of something called the Babylonian captivity. So they lived in the kingdom of Judah, all right? And what was happening was uh, Babylon, the entire nation of Babylon, came to Judah and took it over, right? And they carried away all of the Jews into Babylon. And Daniel and his friends were a part of that, right? So they were taken away into Babylon. And a lot of these young men were part of this re-education, okay? So Babylon wanted these young men for their royal court, for their advisors, right? Because they're young, they wanted to bring them up into Babylonian culture and kind of indoctrinate them in the ways of Babylon, okay? Actually pretty smart, right? They're pretty young, they grow up in Babylon. You know, why would they want to rebel? They love Babylon, that's what they were raised on, right? <laughs> so while this is all going on, Daniel and his friends are being fed like normal people, right? They have to eat. And while they're being fed, Babylon, uh, in Babylon, Daniel and his friends decide, well, you know what, we're not going to eat the meat that's being provided for us because, well, it's probably sacrificed to idols. And we're Jews and we serve the one true God. We're not going to eat this meat. We're not going to do it. And in fact, they actually challenge Babylon, the, the guard who is in charge of them, well, you know what, challenged me, challenge us in this. We're not going to eat any of the meat. We're just going to eat 
fruits and vegetables. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Daniel diet, but this is probably where it got its genesis from, right? <laughs> and I'm not advocating the Daniel diet, you know, or fruit or vegetable only diet or vegan, vegetarian, but this is what's going on right here, okay? So uh, while this is going on, they decide not to uh, partake in that meat, right? And they end up looking much better and physically and mentally than any, anyone else in that court that they had brought in. And this is all due to the diet completely, right? Because if you eat well, no, I'm just kidding. It's not entirely to the diet, right? <laughs> this is all the Lord, right? God had favored them so much and blessed them in what they're doing because they were so faithful to what God um, had asked them to do. Even in the midst of a pagan nation, Daniel and his friends remained faithful to God. And that's where we're coming here in Daniel chapter 2. If you read Daniel, the theme of faithfulness is all throughout. It's littered throughout. And it's in Daniel that you see a lot of this faithfulness. And he's faithful to God, the one true God. Because God is the one true God. And he remains faithful to Daniel. Well, so we're in Daniel chapter 2, like I said. And have you ever had a dream that's kept you up at night? Maybe like a nightmare, you know? You're trying to sleep, you're fighting to sleep, you wake up again, you go back to sleep, you wake up again, you go back to sleep, you stand up, you go to the fridge, you grab some milk, that doesn't help, you try to go back to sleep, it's not working, you're spending almost the entire night trying to go back to sleep, right? And if you've ever felt like that before, I think you might understand where King Nebuchadnezzar is at right now. Because he's going to be having some very troubling dreams of late. And you could call them dreams because they're more like visions, right? And they're very troubling to him because I think he understands that these are a little more than just dreams, right? So in verse 1, we'll see uh, the beginning of that. So in verse, in verse 1, down chapter 2, uh, verse 1. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him, right? So a few things here. That first part, when it says the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Okay, some a little context, a little background here. When we look at kings, maybe like our presidents and how long terms are, uh, the way that kings back then kind of viewed things was a little different. And forgive me for a football analogy, but uh, Nebuchadnezzar had kind of like a preseason before he became the actual king. So if you can understand, he had, a, he had kind of like a warming up period before he became the king. So when it says this is the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, his first year was really like a preseason kind of deal. So this is like his real reign. Anyways, so while this is going on, he has dreams and this spirit is so troubled that he, he just can't sleep. And he's having like more like nightmares, right? They just keep him up and he cannot sleep at all. And they trouble him so much, like I was saying, because I think that they were much more than dreams, right? God was speaking to Nebuchadnezzar through his dreams, through these visions. And if you read Throughout the Bible, God speaks in dreams and in visions very, very often, actually. And here, we're going to see that God really has a plan for Nebuchadnezzar. And all throughout the, uh, chap the book of Daniel, we'll see that Nebuchadnezzar actually um, is a focus of God. God is trying to get his attention, right? Now, as Nebuchadnezzar had these dreams, he was so troubled, so concerned, he could barely sleep. 
Um, and like most of us, if you can't sleep, you're probably going back to work, <laughs> pulling out that computer and starting on some emails, right? So Nebuchadnezzar is going, I need to get everybody back together. We need to have a meeting, okay? So in these next few verses, uh, verses 2 through 6, that's exactly what King Nebuchadnezzar is going to do. He's going to call a meeting. So in verse 2, it says, Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give their interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces, and your house, houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. So like I was saying, right, Nebuchadnezzar, he's really concerned, right? He, he could not sleep, so he's like, I want to call a meeting, first thing. He gets everyone together, okay, because he needs help. He can't figure this out. It's troubled him so much he could barely even sleep. So he calls magicians. The magicians come. He calls astrologers. They come. Sorcerers and the Chaldeans. Uh, something that we need to remember about Babylon, they conquered many nations, okay, the Babylonian Empire was made up of many countries. So he gathered the best and the brightest to be his advisors. So that's who he's calling here. He's calling his A-team. Hey, I don't even know what this dream's about, but he qualifies it, right? He doesn't just tell them the dream. He says, well, if you guys are so wise, if you guys are so knowledgeable, I mean, you're the best and the brightest, well, I'm not even going to tell you what the dream is. I want you to tell me what my dream was and... I want you to interpret it for me. Whoa. <laughs> that's quite a challenge, right? And that's something that I think that we need to remember too, that Nebuchadnezzar was in a way testing his advisors, right? They claim to know what they're doing. They claim to be wise, right? They claim to be able to interpret the signs, right? They're astrologers, right? They could look in the signs in the sky. Oh, this means this, this means that. The magicians, right? They could pull a rabbit out of a hat. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they're that kind of a magician. But we got, we got the idea, I think. <laughs> so anyways, Nebuchadnezzar, he's trying to test these guys. And he's grown up in a pagan nation. Babylon was full of gods upon gods upon gods upon gods, right? And you can only imagine, because of all these nations that they conquered, um, that they had even more than even Babylonian gods that people believed in, right? And people did as they pleased. And it's not like we know what that's like, right? You know, it's not like we live in a world where people do whatever they want. And there's hundreds, if not thousands, of gods and or ways we can choose to worship, right? <laughs> but there's really only one, one true God, right? <laughs> so anyways, he's seriously trying to find out the truth, which is really encouraging. He, he's trying to really find out what this vision is all about. He's very serious. If you cannot tell <laughs> based on the consequences, if they could not figure it out, right? He's like, I'm going to cut you guys into pieces, and I'm going to burn all your houses down if you don't do this. <laughs> so they're like, okay, all right, <laughs> we're going to try and figure this out. He's very serious. He really, really wants to find out the truth. Really, 
really, really wants to find out the truth. It's not casual. It's not like he had this dream and he's like, oh, all right, that was kind of weird. It may have been something I ate last night, you know. He's like, something, this is a very important vision. This is an important dream. This is something that's very significant. It affected him very much. And he's surrounded by all these charlatans, all these guys that pretend to be what they are, but they're not, right? He really wanted answers. Jesus states in Matthew 7, 7, he says, seek and you will find. And our friend Nebuchadnezzar is truly seeking and he is going to find out the answer. He's really going to find the truth. He really is. And that's going to be happening in the next few verses. But before that happens, we're going to have to see what these wise men say, right? Because Nebuchadnezzar is telling them all this stuff. He's challenging them. But now we're going to find out what they actually think about all this. So verses 7 through 13, they say this. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream. And we will give its interpretation. So they keep going back to that. <laughs> the king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. Remember that. Highlight that part right there. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill him. So Nebuchadnezzar has this meeting. He has all of his advisors there. They again bring it up. They say, this is impossible. We, we just can't, we can't do this. Are you serious? We can't do that. And he's calling them out, right? Because um, those advisors were likely going to try and scheme out an interpretation together, right? So he's like, I'm not going to tell you what my dream was because I know what you guys are all about. You're going to be lying. You're going to do corrupt things. You guys are going to collude and, and kind of come up with this interpretation that may be palatable, maybe be something I like to hear, right? You know? So he's like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you guys that because that's what you're all about. You guys are going to be lying together and trying to uh, come up with a false truth. So that's one thing to note here. He's not satisfied. He's not going to be satisfied with what these guys are going to do. He's not going to be satisfied with uh, stuff he wants to hear, right? He wants to hear the truth, and he's going to recognize that, right? They're, keep on, they're, they're really trying to get at him. I can imagine them trying to convince him and just saying, like, come on, are you serious? Oh, I've been with you for so long, and, and, and now you're telling me to do this. I'm going to lose my job. Are you serious? Like, come on, just tell me the dream. I'm going to help you out, right? And he's like, no, no, no. This, this dream, this vision from God truly affected him, okay? And Nebuchadnezzar is not satisfied, is not going to be satisfied with anything but the truth. Okay? Now, up to this point, Nebuchadnezzar also issues that decree. He says, well, we're going to get started. 
because uh, none of these guys can figure this out. So he starts to kill all these wise men. But wait a second, isn't Daniel and his friends part of the wise men too? Yeah, they are. <laughs> they definitely are. So next we're going to see uh, what Daniel does, because he's going to be very bold, and we're going to talk about uh, who influences him to be so bold. So in verses 14 through 16, then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? And then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. So let's stop and look at this here. So Daniel and his friends were due to get killed, right? They, they were on, on the list, right? You know, he had a list of all his wise men, and he was checking them off as Arioch was going around and, uh, and taking them out, right? And Daniel and his friends were on that list too. But look how bold uh, Daniel is. You know, he just goes right up to Arioch and is just like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> I see all these guys getting killed, and I think they're all the wise men. And, he, and he's asking, well, why is this so urgent from the king? He's bold. But why is he so bold? What would make Daniel so bold? Notice that it says in verse 14, the beginning, then with counsel and wisdom. Well, whose counsel and whose wisdom? It's God. God has given them counsel. He's given them that wisdom. If you look back in Daniel chapter 1, verse 17, uh, after Daniel and his friends were so faithful to God, God blesses them, right? God uh, favors them, right? They, they get promoted. They, they do very well, right? And, and God uh, blesses them, but he blesses Daniel in a very specific way that influences this chapter here. He gives them the ability to interpret dreams and visions. And he's blessed with knowledge and wisdom. See how this all ties in here? God equips Daniel to be able to accomplish this. And it's only through the Lord. It's only from God that this can happen. It is only from him. And boldness for us as Christians should be normal because of the God we know, the hope that we have within us. We know who God is. He's so right. He's true. God's word is true. That should lead to boldness in us. That's why I'm always so encouraged by Daniel because he has, he's so bold. See, it, it's going to cost him his life. He could have died. They could have killed him on the spot. And he goes right up to the king's guard and says, what's going on? I see all these people dying and I know them. You know, and I'm starting to see a pattern. I think, I think we're all working in the same work group. <laughs> So Daniel also does something else. That last part, he goes in and he asks the king to give him time. So not just the captain of the king's guard. <laughs> Look at how bold he is, right? He goes right up to the king who ordered everyone to get killed. <laughs> and he says, hey, can I have some more time so I can give you the interpretation? And it's granted to him. It's given to him. And that's through the Lord. 100%. God has favored him and given him that that time and then we're going to see what happens next because I think that what happens next is a great um, 
is great advice for us, great wisdom for us. So verses 17 through 18. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel went home. Okay, He met up with his friends, um, who also were also part of that uh, wise men group. Um, and they were seeking God's mercies, as it says right here, that they might seek God's mercy, make, seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret, right? Well, how do they do that? How would you seek mercies? How would you seek the Lord? Well, prayer. So what do you think they did? They went home, he went home with his friends. They sought the Lord. And they sought the Lord in prayer. What a great, uh, great lesson for us in the midst of this insane, <laughs> insane request, if we're honest. <laughs> and there's nowhere else to go because you cannot do that in your own strength. Just like these wise men, these Chaldeans, these astrologers, they could not have done it. And they admit so. They admit that very plainly. We can't do this. This is impossible, right? But I think it very often is the case in an impossible situation, God can come through. Because with man, it's impossible but with God, nothing is impossible, right? And the fruit of prayer, right? God, God reveals, is going to reveal the interpretation of that dream and the dream itself to Daniel. And as we're seeking prayer, we seek the Lord in prayer and praying for whatever, uh, you know, we could pray for anything, really, and in any circumstance, in any instance. And wanting to remind you guys that God hears you. God hears your prayers, uh, at all times, always, God hears you and listens, all right? And it reminds me of this psalm, Psalm 28, 6. David, uh, the psalmist, writes, Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. And how true that is. Blessed is the Lord. And he has heard you. So when you're struggling, or even if you're doing really well, and you're praying God, praising him, thanking him, God hears everything that you're saying to him. And he heard Daniel, and he heard his friends. Right? But you got to take that step, that step of faith, trusting God and seeking him in prayer. Right? Having that relationship to him. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this missionary. His name is George Mueller. And you should check him out. I have this quote from his um, autobiography. He was known as a man of prayer. And, and this is the early, I want to say this early 20th century. I'm not 100% sure, but pretty sure. Um, well, it states this from his autobiography. Through all of this, Mueller never made requests for financial support, nor did he go into debt, even though the five homes, so these orphanages, five homes cost more than 100,000 pounds to build. Many times he received unsolicited food donations only hours before they were needed to feed the children. Further strengthening his faith in God, Mueller was in constant prayer that God touched the hearts of donors to make provisions for the orphans. For example, on one documented, uh, well-documented occasion, thanks was given for breakfast when all the children were sitting at the table, even though there was nothing to eat in the house. And as they finished praying, the baker knocked on the door with sufficient fresh bread to feed everyone. And the milkman gave them plenty of fresh milk because his cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. You know, probably inconvenient for the milkman, but 
God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? <laughs> we truly do serve a God who will provide for each and every one of our needs. But we've got to come to him. It's like, uh, I'll talk to the youth about this, and I'll talk to kids about this too as well. But when you're having a good relationship, uh, a good relationship involves communication, right? You know, uh, if my wife and I never spoke, um, only, and really only spoke when we needed something from each other, uh, that would be a horrible marriage, much less a horrible relationship, just period, right? <laughs> so with God, you want to have a good relationship with him. So speak to him, talk to him, just talk to him communicate with him and you're going to have a better and better relationship with him as he speaks to you and back on track and as daniel has been praying god is delivering and wait till you see what happens next because god will surely deliver in verses 19 through 23 then this secret was revealed to daniel in a night vision so daniel blessed the god of heaven Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? What a, what a like, just looking at him, this Daniel, what an amazing just man <laughs> of God. Um, Daniel reacts appropriately to God's prayer, right? God's, an God's answering of his prayer. <laughs> what does he do? He thanks God. He worships him. And when God did this, too, it was at night in a vision. And this kind of reminds me, when I was a little kid, I was scared of the dark. I think we were probably, most of us were probably scared of the dark at one point in our life. Um, you know, a few years ago, I got over it. Um, I'm feeling good now. You know, I'm finally over it. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but I would run to the bathroom, right? If I had to go to the, go, uh, go to the bathroom at night, I would run to the bathroom because it was like down a hallway. And I'd lock my bedroom door at night. Um, I'd be all freaked out, right? And, then, uh, you know, it's encouraging to know that God doesn't have like an end of his shift. Um, God doesn't clock out, right? You know, God doesn't go, well, it's 5 o'clock, time to go. You know, I'll answer the prayers next time, tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. <laughs> God is always on the clock. God is always around. He's working even at night. And everything Daniel says here about God is true, right? And he does remove kings and raises up kings. He does give wisdom to the wise. And he does reveal deep and secret things just like he did here to Daniel, right, in that dream and vision. He revealed those things to Daniel. So let's re recap a bit. Remember Nebuchadnezzar's challenge, right? It's, it, it was too much for those wise men. And they admitted that only a god could do what he had asked, right? Which was right on. But it wasn't their God. It was Yahweh, the one true God. And it's often in the case of those impossible circumstances that God is ready and he's able and ready to move should we 
Take that step of faith and rely on him. Daniel relies on the Lord and he's come and God comes through and shows his ability to do the impossible. Because like I was saying earlier, it, it, is, it is impossible with man, but nothing is impossible with God. Can I get an amen? All right. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> so next, our friend Daniel has this interpretation now. He has it in hand. God has given him to him. He's ready to go to the king. So here's that time we've been waiting for uh, it's coming very soon so in verses 24 through 30 here we go so therefore Daniel went to Arioch and whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon he went and said thus to him do not destroy the wise men of Babylon take me before the king and I will tell the king their interpretation then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar? Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king, but... There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king that you may know the, the thoughts of your heart. Amazing. And just like that prayer earlier in the chapter, Daniel deflects credit uh, from himself, right? He deflects it to God and he offers it to God and praises God in that prayer. And here he has another opportunity to take all the credit for himself and gives it all to God because he is the source of this interpretation. He's the source of that dream. He gave the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. And maybe you've been in a situation like this before where someone's going, well, who did this? <laughs> Probably when you were younger, maybe when you were a child and you, you're, you might be getting in trouble and your parent asks that question and you're like, oh. <laughs> And if it was a good thing, you might actually say, well, that was all me, mine, all me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, like if you're in trouble, you're, you're probably like, well, it was my brother or my sister. She was running around. She did all that, not me, not at all. <laughs> but Daniel humbly defers to God, truly lifting him up. And, and he had many chances to take that credit, and he rightly gives it to God because that's where the credit is due. This first aspect is, well, Daniel's faith in God, right? Daniel trusted that God was good, and it reminds me of this verse in Hebrews 11, 6. It says this, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Daniel believed all that about God, and he gave God that credit that was due his name. And he sought God. And he had that faith. 
And remember, too, that how bold Daniel's been, right? The situation, right? This is like life or death. <laughs> we got to keep on reminding ourselves that. We might get lost in all this amazing uh, stuff that's going on. But we got to remember, this is a life or death situation for Daniel. And he was so bold because he trusted God that much and to have that faith. And I pray that God gives you that, that, that I have that boldness when the time comes, when it's that time that counts, right? I can think of many times where I've failed in that way and in that area. But I just pray you know, that God uh, wakes me up when I'm in that kind of situation. Because sometimes it happens, you're like, oh my gosh, I just missed, I just missed it. But thankful, I'm thankful to God for his grace. Uh, though we make mistakes, he still loves us. He forgives us. He knows who we are. But we don't have to be afraid of our circumstances. If we know who God is, just like Daniel, he had faith in him and boldness followed after that. And now he's over here, he's talking to the king, and now he's going to talk about the dream. Right? We've been talking about this dream for a while now, and now we're going to actually find out what this dream actually was and what's it about. So in verses 31 through 35, Daniel's speaking here in verse 31. You, O king, were watching, and behold a great image. This great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you, and its form was awesome. The image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, and the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found, and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. All right, so the dream was about a giant figure, a giant image, and it's made up of different parts, okay? Well, Daniel next is gonna explain what all these parts are all about. And actually thinking back, even if the wise men had heard about this dream or vision, I don't believe that they could have interpreted it correctly because Daniel got this interpretation from the Lord straight up, and these wise men we're just going to collude and just like go through what it could be, right? They're looking at the stars. Oh, it might be this. It might be that. Well, and they may have actually even thought too, well, we want to make this sound really good so we can get promoted and get those rewards and riches, right? We're not going to tell them any of the, anything else. We're going to keep them building up the king so that he like likes us, right? But anyway, so in the next few verses, we're going to see the interpretation of the actual dream. So in verse 36, this is the dream, and now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand, and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. 
But after you shall rise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it. Just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay, and as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another." just as iron does not mix with clay. And in, though, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. All right. So that was a lengthy little portion of verses. So we'll break it down a little bit. So there's four kingdoms being talked about here, as it's mentioned. And each of these kingdoms had some sort of power, right? Some had more, some had less. Babylon is that head of gold. And because Babylon's monarch, Nebuchadnezzar, ruled absolutely. There was no one else ruling with him. He was the ruler, okay? Which signifies gold, because gold is precious and highly valued out of all of these other metals. Now, next, a kingdom that was inferior to that kingdom was the Medo-Persian Empire. It's represented by silver, Silver is valuable, but not nearly as valuable as gold, right? And Medo-Persia was two empires combined in kind of one. They kind of worked together, but they were not as powerful as Nebuchadnezzar was. And so on. And Greece, the nation of Greece, represents bronze. They weren't nearly as powerful as Medo-Persia or as Nebuchadnezzar was. And then Rome was the next one. And they were powerful as well, but still not as powerful as far as like centralized power, absolute power goes. Nebuchadnezzar was in absolute control of his empire. There really was no other one around him. And all these other empires had multiple leaders, but it was just Nebuchadnezzar with Babylon here. Now, the Babylonian Empire stood for about 66 years. The Medo-Persian Empire for about 208 years. The Greek Empire for about 185 years. And the Roman Empire stood for about 500 years. Um, though these empires lasted a lot longer, they still weren't as nearly as powerful in that kind of way as far as rule goes. Now, this seems to be a type of warning to Nebuchadnezzar that his reign is not going to be forever. He's not going to be an eternal king. And his kingdom, that the kingdom that's going to um, last forever in verse 44, well, that's God's kingdom. That's the reign of Messiah. His kingdom is going to be eternal. 
We have that eternal life with the Lord. When he comes back and New Jerusalem, we're going to be in there, and that is an eternal kingdom. And we've been reading Revelation with Pastor Bill uh, for a while now, and we have yet to get to this chapter, Revelation 21, verses 22 through 24. And it's speaking of New Jerusalem and the kingdom to come. And it says this, um, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. You know, we, we can be very discouraged in the midst of pagan, a pagan world, right? A world that would rather not follow God. But as we're looking into this verse, we can see the hope. We can see what lies ahead, right? We have that hope that the, only the Lord can give. And now, now Daniel's explained this dream, right? He's interpreted it. And Nebuchadnezzar is very awestruck by this because um, he has a sense for what's coming now, right? He has a sense for what lies ahead. And I'm not sure that he's having a lot of hope. In later chapters, you kind of see uh, where Nebuchadnezzar is going to be going as far as uh, uh, what the Lord is doing with him. But this first thing is a warning for him. And he's left awestruck. And he had to think to himself, surely no one could do what I had asked. And yet God did. God came through. He issued this challenge and his wise men definitely were like, we can't do this. And he had to think to himself, well, I'm not sure that anybody can, right? And God comes through in the, in the person of Daniel to uh, show him what God really had to say to him. And let's check out what Nebuchadnezzar has to say after this in closing. Verse 46, Then Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face prostrate before Daniel and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and the revealer of secrets. Since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So when we read this, this is a remarkable turn of events. Daniel had ordered Daniel and his, or not Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar had ordered Daniel and his friends to be killed just a few verses earlier. And now he's praising God and promoting Daniel and his friends. It's something that we need to remember, that God really can do the impossible. Daniel went to the Lord in prayer. God answered that prayer. He came through. And these wise men could not have done this on their own. They couldn't have done it at all. They needed the Lord too, right? But Daniel had been following him faithfully and seeking him out. Because man couldn't do this. And this is actually a reminder that there is power in prayer. Shameless plug for prayer. Uh, <laughs> we do have prayer groups, and we're going to have prayer after this too as well if anyone needs prayer. So shameless plug. <laughs> Let us know if you need prayer. We're definitely pray for you guys. But this is a reminder of faithfulness. Daniel is a picture of that. He's so faithful to God, trusting in him, seeking him in prayer, 
And I encourage you to be steadfast, be faithful in prayer, be faithful in your walk with the Lord. There's so much out here. I was just talking to my wife about this actually this morning. There's so much out here in this world that is vying for our attention, that wants to take us down, that wants us to forsake the Lord and give it up. You know, maybe it's more convenient to do this. You know, with COVID, right? You know, uh, I could do laundry. I could do all kinds of stuff and, you know, maybe catch church later on. You know, maybe I'll record it, right? But we're missing that fellowship, right? I've been missing that for a very long time. So glad that we're here in person. Um, but there's so much out here in the world that wants you to, to just let go of God and follow it. It could be anything. But be like Daniel. Stick with the Lord. He is faithful. He does listen to your prayer. And he will come through. So that's my encouragement to you guys today. Keep following the Lord. Be faithful to him. He is faithful. He won't leave you. He's there. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Daniel, this man of God, this mighty man of God who just simply was faithful and followed you and remained steadfast in the midst of all kinds of persecution and idolatry. Lord, that he followed you and didn't let up. So, Lord, I pray that you encourage us daily, Lord, to remain faithful to you, to be in your word, and to be faithful in prayer as well. So, Lord, we just love you and we praise you, Lord, lifting your name up and praising you today. In your name, amen.